0: Welcome back to Can You Hear Us? We are so excited to have you back for our third episode and hope that you have enjoyed our chats where we talk about being women and femme of color in the 21st century within the development sphere. As always, before we begin, we'd like to thank the LSE Department of International Development for their support in hosting this space. My name is Madeira. My preferred pronouns are she and her, and I am one of your co-hosts today.
1: Hi, and my name is Monica. My pronouns are also she, her, and I'm also one of your co-hosts today. So just like the hints of spring that are appearing on the streets of London these days, sometimes, this month marks the start of a new theme in our series that we have appropriately titled, Having It All. While this phrase is used colloquially to speak to many women's desires to having both a family and a fulfilling career, we hope to redefine and expand the concept of having your cake and eating it too, to issues centered around gender equity, empowerment, and self reliance by speaking to some guests that seem to have it all, either personally or professionally. As always, the Can You Hear Us team acknowledges that we do not represent all women and femmes of, of color and that we only speak from our own experiences and perspectives, but we are always striving to be as inclusive as possible to all women and femmes of color in this space.
0: Thanks Monica, I think it is important to note that before we can have it all, we also need to have the capability, the skills, the knowledge, even for some the money to be able to choose our destinies. But which should come first, or which will most likely lead to my best outcome, and even before that, which one will sustain my success. This line of thinking is pretty similar to the ways in which feminists began conceptualizing empowerment as an approach to gender and development in the 1980s during the peak of the women's movement. In particular, how do we define empowerment? Is empowerment a process or an outcome? And what dimensions of empowerment, whether they be economic, social, political, cultural, will lead to gender equity in the short or long term? Today, the definitions of empowerment still differ depending on who you're asking. Debates within development still concern what type of empowerment allows women to gain the most capacity or skill or knowledge to reach their dreams. Meanwhile, projects, organizations, and even individual women are taking it in their own hands to try and decipher the best ways to reach this end goal.
1: It is widely acknowledged that economic activities play a significant role in empowerment because it can allow people, and particularly women, to create options for themselves and expand their spectrum of choice. However, economic opportunity doesn't necessarily translate into empowerment, but a combination of specific factors is needed, like confidence, self-esteem, information, skills, political and social influence. This means that the conditions for empowerment need to be deliberately shaped. One of the most popular strategies introduced within the past two decades as a possible means to empowerment is entrepreneurship. Entrepreneurship seems to have two dimensions. On one hand, it is a means in which a steady stream of income can become possible to women who are unable to normally participate in the labor market. On the other hand, it can be capacity building, a point in which skills like business administration or financial planning are learned by doing. However, can everyone be an entrepreneur? And is this the best means to empowerment especially for women who are most vulnerable and marginalized. Today we will be exploring these ideas and luckily we have found it very fitting to speak to two women who are attempting this successfully on the ground.
0: You're right, Monica. So today we are incredibly honored to have Margarita Andrade and Farida Alkalaji joining us on Can You Hear Us? Margarita Andrade is the co-founder of Malaika Linens as well as the social impact business that we'll be focusing on today, Threads of Hope based in Cairo, Egypt, and Frida Kalaji is an LSE alumno and is head of sustainability and development at Threads of Hope. Margarita, Frida, welcome. Uh, thanks for joining us. Many different time zones away. I wanted to ask you, what time is it actually there right now?
2: Now it's 6.40. 6 ah,
0: p.m., right? In the, in the, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, regardless, thank you for joining us this lovely night. We are very excited to have you here. Thank you for having
1: us. Yes, thank you. So just diving into our first question, Margarita, can you tell us a bit about Malaika Linens and Threads of Hope? Just more specifically, its mission, the goals,
2: and the relationship between both sister companies. Well, Malaika Linens and Threads of Hope have been funded by the two people, the same people, Goya Gallagher and Margarita Andrade. And Madraka Linen is, is an Egyptian brand that is specialized in bedding, tableware, and home accessories of very high quality. Uh, we own a factory where we have 120 employees working from there, and their factory is for manufacturing and uh, silk screen. Threads of Hope was founded by Malaika, and this was as a social entrepreneurship. So um, the idea was that the two companies would complement each other, but Threads of Hope would have its own life uh, since the goal was to produce in order to provide work. Uh, We had previously um, some experience training women, and this gave us an idea of um, what is it that one can do to improve people's lives. Threads of Hope is a training center, and we provide work after two months of working with us. But for me, training and employment is not enough. The women that work for us are refugees, are women, that almost all of them are women that live under the line of poverty. So in order for a woman to to rediscover herself or to just be... uh, I, to have the basic rights of a human being. You need to pay attention to what, I, what is it that she needs and it's its nutrition, it's shelter, it's protection, it's security, it's training and it's employment. So this is what Threats of Hope is. It's a holi- We have a holistic approach towards the women. Okay. Um, we have set our premises in the beautiful downtown of Cairo. We have two beautiful flats that we have uh, invested on making them beautiful, full of light, full of plants, because basically all these women live in slums where there's no light and and the environment is really threatening for them. So we are not uh, only training, but we are trying to give as much as possible. So when this lady uh, that leaves the premises to go and go back home to work for us, has seen maybe a little bit the end of the light at the end of the tunnel and to see that there are ways to improve your life and we can start by nutrition which is what we offer we we offer a very healthy meal that is based on grains and uh, vegetables cereals uh, herbs and spices we put together all these elements to and to explain to the women what is the impact that this these nutrients would have on their bodies and once they 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 because obviously they love to learn you know in the vast majority of cases uh, they went to bad schools they had terrible uh, education and Probably they were not very well treated at school. So when they come to us, we try to provide as much information as possible in a non-condescending way. Um, so we're starting literacy lessons hopefully very soon. Uh, we are talking about nutrition and so we are talking with this uh, specialist in nutrition uh, to see if we can actually conduct a, a proper research. Because the women that work for us have been they come from South Sudan, North Sudan, Ethiopia, Eritrea, Somalia, Djibouti, Syria, Yemen, and Egypt. So not everybody eats the same. So maybe we can help them source some food, the food that they ate in their country or, or and so on. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a very um, holistic, uh, yeah.
0: So it sounds like the majority of the women that you kind of work with are, can I say, refugees or... Yes. Yeah. Yes. Space, space yeah. People. yeah. So you're really giving them kind of a lifeline of figuring out life in Cairo as well as just, you know, being able to survive and find something that really works for them. So that's incredible.
1: If we just move on <laughs> to the next question, which kind of ties in quite well, was just what was the biggest inspiration to begin Threads of Hope and we mentioned it a bit before, but like, how does the program work and who is it for? And it's just mostly like, what steps are you taking to make sure it really reaches the women that would benefit most from this program? Like, is there a selection progress? Is it an opt-in program? Like, how does it work?
2: Okay, one by one. Okay, so my inspiration comes from the belief that that I, that through training, work and support, women can improve their lives significantly right so we can provide and it's not only economically but it's also about as i mentioned before in nutrition literacy it's a, it's a trauma therapy it's a bringing psychologists children psychologists so when she is already uh, when she finds the information and the care that she has not had all of a sudden, people start opening up little by little and absorbing information. And and while you're in this project process of of change, you 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 find yourself a bit, you know. So this this is um, this is what always. Uh, uh, pushed me to do this, that I know that there is a way to change people's lives. So as I said before, the program is about two week, two months that they come to learn five different uh, stitches, each one in one room. So like this, we can offer as much uh, possibilities of work as possible. And, uh, and um, they work four days a week, five hours a day. They come to train in this five hours a day. They also have art therapy. They have uh, a healthy meal. Um, we have sometimes celebrations for somebody that uh, embroidered something very beautiful or the person that embroidered the most and so on. And the sourcing, it's at the beginning we were working with the international uh, organizations, but because of the huge impact that this business model uh, has had, then we have, uh, a very long list of women in the waiting list because they want to be part of it. The women that work for us, as I said before, are women that live under the line of poverty. They don't have skills, meaning they are almost unemployable. Most of them have children, minimum three, and uh, they are refugees. So where you can source work, but it's not always safe. You know, They, Mm -hmm. they they feel threatened. They're very, very vulnerable. So coming to the center for them, is, it's a completely different story because they are protected, they are fed, they are listened to, they are. So this is, uh, this is how, this is our target, let's say. But having said that, any woman that would like to come and train and eventually have work is most welcome. Wow, It's open to everyone.
0: How many, how many women do you take? every time you do the training 40
2: 40 women i mean we're supposed to have 50 we have two flats but because of COVID, we are reducing the amount of women yeah yeah that's
0: still a lot and yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah.
2: like and we are and we're really committed to give them enough money to to probably get over the 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 line of poverty the the fact that they will be able to eat every day and that they would have money for the rent or money for the school tuition or you know right so this is what we're aiming at
0: yeah and, and are and you're in are you instructing are you all embroiderers or no or, i love yeah. embroider but yeah. i'm not too good <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I curious i could be much better <laughs> yes so so you have instructors that also come in and
2: help I'm yes we, our instructors have uh, except for one woman our instructors have a minimum of 15 years of experience wow yeah and this woman that is producing the most exquisite products now or the most expensive ones I would like to share the story of this woman who I admire incredibly much because she was cleaning the building and cleaning the streets. Uh, And then she heard about us and she came to visit us and she said that she would like to clean. And when she was cleaning, she was because she's a visionary and she's highly intelligent and, and very, very fast. So she suggested that Uh, the women were hungry. So she went to my son who was working back then, running the center, and she said, you know, the the ladies are hungry because if they buy food, they are taking this food from their their children's mouths. So women work hungry. The vast majority of mothers do not buy food for themselves. So this is how we started cooking. And then she asked... Uh, if she could be given the opportunity to become a trainer, no, an assistant, because she had been lying all her life to her children, Mm -hmm. telling them that she was an assistant, but she was always a cleaning lady. And she didn't want her children to be embarrassed of of her position. Mm -hmm. So then she said, but I know I can do better. So she was given this opportunity to become an assistant. And she cried for three days in a row. And she said, I don't believe, I thought I was going to be cleaning houses for the rest of my life. And knowing that this was not, I, that I could do so much better than that, but because I don't have options, mm-hmm. nobody looks at me like most women are not looked at as an as someone that, could, that deserves a, a, an opportunity, right? Because there's right. so many people that are poor and in need and so on that. So she then started training And then she became a trainer of she's trained around 50 women to do the most impeccable cross-stitch you can imagine. That's great.
0: That's great.
2: Yeah, and she has a great salary. And the first thing she did when she got her salary, the salary increase, is that she, she was about to withdraw her daughter from school because the school that the child was attending was a school that did not have a desk. So she had to write on a notebook on her legs and education was terrible. So with the money of the salary increase, she sends her daughter to a very good school, public school, but in a very safe, good area. Her little son that is going to the nursery is in a very good nursery. Now her children know what to eat and how to eat. So the ripple effect of working with the woman is huge because she's also doing the same thing with her family and her nieces and so on. Just teaching them what to eat and how to wash your hands and this kind of limit to what can be done when when one works with women
0: yeah it's true it's when you educate a woman you educate the world that's the line that you hear all the time and it's true. true yeah there's a sense of collective identity there that i think is really important so yeah very cool
1: absolutely amazing and i think that's why we're all really excited to have you both here because We've been reading a lot of theory and academia on grassroots and social norms and, and social capital and and gender. Some of us have also specialized in those modules, and this this model that you have created and how you put it forward is just so impressive and incredible. Thank you. We're just really happy to have you here. Thank you.
2: But it's also about love, you know, to to understand that when people feel loved, when 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 you are around people that you love there is an energy around you that it's it's so beautiful so this is also into the equation love for each other
0: holding each other up and like Mm -hmm. pushing ourselves to a a place that we can reach our potential i mean yeah yeah, Yeah, because
2: we spend a lot of time with them so we get to know them very much we just yeah
0: right and everyone has their own experience as well
2: how like what is the
0: um like the medium age i mean is it women all all ages up to and they're old like old older or they're younger no just varies
1: from 20s to 60s
0: yeah so it's all over the place yeah
1: just a quick question how many cohorts of 40 women do you have now or is this the first one for threads of
2: hope you- um probably uh before we had like let's say 10 15 every yeah. And now um, we have from the five. For how long have we had the five groups? Probably six months. Yeah, six okay. months. Yes.
1: Wow, that's it's really impressive. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I think we just don't know what else to say. This is- okay, <laughs> this is just amazing.
2: You have us speechless. <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. True. No, no. I think that, you know sometimes. Um, the, the compassion which means putting yourself in the shoes of other person is gives you so much strength you know because you feel their pain you feel their anxiety you just you can you can see yourself working in this walking on the slum, in the slums go back going back home and being threatened by I don't know, the, the normal uh, violence in so the streets, although Cairo is a very safe place, but not in the slums. And and always thinking, you know, can I pay the rent? Will I be able to eat, feed my children tomorrow? Uh, can they go to school? Uh, the, to live in fear is is dehumanizing. So one can start by understanding who are you dealing with, you know? It's not only a woman that you can empower, which is... But it's a human being that has been this this how do you say, removed from all the basic rights and needs that that they have and they have children so it's a double pain double anxiety double fear mm-hmm. but it's it's so solvable it's so easy to to connect the chain of training and production and sales and marketing and just continue to produce in a sustainable respectful loving way products that have meaning, and that are changing lives. It's therefore, you know, I chose not to do charity, not to sell or market people's misery, but just to say, well, this is what we can do you, you would be very well, you would be very happy if you produce with us because we can offer you very, very high standards of work. This is what I said.
0: Yeah, it's it's about dignity. To respect them, to respect them, to
2: not use yes their their situation to market anything.
0: Right, and that's, they are
2: untouchable.
0: That's the key of it as well. Yes. And we see a lot of like, there's a lot of sustainable, I would say like sustainable fashion industries. And I'm sure we'll have a question about this at some point where like they take advantage of that level of poverty. They take advantage of the vulnerabilities of not being able to have proper choices. And it seems like you and in your holistic approach, you do the opposite. You allow them to have the choices and mm-hmm. also see that they are just as capable as everybody else is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I I, and I agree with you. I feel like that should just be the normal. <laughs> like <laughs> why why isn't that just the norm? Yes, uh, exactly. You know? Exactly. That's that's a, that's always the question I have. Uh,
2: yeah. I, I know. I mean like you know in, in for instance in Malika Um, we have 120 employees and one of the things that i made sure that uh we would provide for our employees is security uh that they work in an environment where they're not threatened by managers that nobody is um accusing them or or this this power games where the manager is right and the worker is wrong and the worker is a liar and the worker is lazy and the manager if something goes wrong is because the managers the way the workers are this way or that way so i also found that the the, the 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 dynamics were really 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 bringing people back into their state of always fear and threatened and and probably this is why they were so disinterested in, in producing well, beautifully beautifully or not, because it makes no difference, their life doesn't change, right? But if you give to this person, I mean, if you remove this this entity that is bringing them back to, to being suppressed and you say, okay, nobody's going to insult you, nobody's going to intimidate you, nobody's going to threaten you and if you're, if you are to be fired, uh, the manager will be the person that will um, have to sign a paper so and interview you before leaving. So this started changing the dynamics also in the factory. And then we had, I thought people should not be confined to a sewing machine for the rest of their lives just because of their socioeconomic uh, situation, but maybe out of choice. So in order to have choice, you need to know how to read and write. So 40% of the workers in the factory were illiterate. So um, I I decided to open and with the best teacher, obviously I brought the best, best teacher to teach the workers literacy. And they also, because there were three different levels, the the production lines were disrupted three times a day um twice a week and the managers told me "You, how can you why would you educate them Uh, how can you think about that you know they're here to work and i said no why they need to have the basic knowledge and and also try to take away the stigma of illiteracy and ignorance if will you learn how to read and write then we will provide with you with books and and talks and and people want to learn they're desperate to learn and from that we also reduced an hour of work and then the factory was full of plants and and it just the 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 quality the the environment absolutely changed because when one works with people that are that have worked lived all their life sorry in poverty your your um the way you react and the way you it, it's completely different because since you're born, you have no options. You're born without any opportunities and you have bad nutrition and you have bad schooling and you have not, I mean, everything is bad. Everything is difficult. So if, if to that person, you cannot shout and scream on the contrary to that person, you just have to uh, humbly offer what you can offer and just little by little, you would realize that this worker was brilliant and that he's happy doing whatever he's doing.
1: Yeah, thank you, that was amazing. And we touched on, well, very briefly on sustainability. And so Farida, we wanted to ask you um, how and why sustainability is so important to Malaika and to Threads of Hope and how this is achieved.
3: Okay, I'll, I'll focus more on Threads of Hope, because this is um, like what I've been doing. Basically, I'm not working for Malaika. So um, by sustainability, we're focusing on three main aspects. So we've got financial sustainability, of course, we've got technical sustainability, and we've also got this a sustainable model that allows for um, sustainable impact. So you want to make sure that impact is part of the equation. And this is a main objective that we're kind of working towards. So financial sustainability is clear because this is a business model that we need. Uh, we need to be able to cover all of our expenses, uh, make profit if we can, and uh, and ensure that the activities and services that we're offering are, are, are ongoing. For the technical sustainability, like um, what Margarita was mentioning, that. It's not only that we're offering self-employment opportunities we're offering um, products and quality that is top-notch that is based on perfection and that is really a high quality so this means that we need to constantly ensure that the people who are offering the trainings and that the, um, the and that the trainees receive the best service and receive the best training to be able to produce the products that we want, that we want them to produce, and also um, have the ability to also eventually not only produce products, but maybe some of them they have amazing talents in designing, so that we also be able to realize the the different abilities and the different skill sets and talents that we have. For um, creating a a sustainable model that allows for um, social impact, this is quite tricky because as much as we can, we're trying to be extremely focused and our focus is on really offering uh, self-employment opportunities, but also it is a holistic approach that is based on the individual needs of all the trainees. So it depends on what we need and we try as much as possible to cover these needs and and support them in any way we can to be able to, um, to to offer them or to help them have access to basic their basic rights. Mm. So sometimes we can offer the services from the center. Sometimes we can do referrals. Sometimes like we see what the needs are and we try as much as possible to, um, to support. So you have a lot of flexibility. And
0: I know like one of those, I'm assuming one of those is nutrition are there other like are there other needs that you've seen or it, i mean it's you can't generalize right but like are there other things that like women have come up to you and said that they would like
3: um, um yes pretty much like a lot of things so you have got yeah. nutrition you've got even uh, people who um, don't have a home and need support right. in that you've got uh, people who ask for medical help uh, yeah. We only and medical support is one of the things that we keep receiving continuously. so this is a big um, one, like one of, one of the main issues. Um, you've also psychological. got psychological exactly. You've got uh, traumas. we're trying to offer uh, trauma therapy workshops individually if we feel like someone specifically needs um, individual support. We try to connect them with psychologists, um, and we're trying, especially this psychological angle to it. Yeah. We're trying to see how we can incorporate it into our our program. Right, because this is something that is recurring. This is something that they all need. Uh, they've all been through trauma, and um, and they've uh, they all need support, psychological support. So we're just still seeing how to do it and how to kind of incorporate it into our program through trauma therapy workshops, group workshops, individual workshops. Um, We also thought about like incorporating something related to art therapy. Um, So we still, it's one of the things that currently we're doing it on an individual basis, but we're seeing how to do it more as part of something that is more structured and systematic.
2: Yeah. So we can hire people. Exactly. This is the aim. You know, one of the reasons why we wanted to have a a proper business is because we wanted to hire people, Mm -hmm. not expect people to volunteer because they volunteer once, twice and for whichever reason they don't come back. And we also,
3: um, so a lot of the women who come, uh, again, there are 40 women um, every two months, they have kids. And one of the things we've uh, we've noted and we've realized that a lot of the times they either come with their kids or they have to leave their kids somewhere. And usually where they leave their kids is a space that is unsafe. So what we, um, in our extension, when we decided to open a second center uh, to train more women, we, 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 um, part of the plan was to open a small space like a nursery, basically, where the women can come they can leave their kids in a safe space where they would also learn something and where they can be taken care of until the woman um is done with the training so again i think that the the you have a model that is very there's a program that is very somehow solid which is the training and the self-employment of the list. There's part of it that is very solid but there's also another part that is con- continuously developing and expanding based on the needs of the individuals and based on what um what we receive somehow yeah that makes sense and i mean that i think that this is the first
0: time i don't know about you monica that i've ever heard of a social impact program that like took mental health as an important initiative um, that seems pretty cutting edge. I didn't know if you have other or if you've worked with other networks or other groups that do similar work that you've learned from, or is this just something that you you all have completely put together on your
3: own? I think both, mm-hmm. right? I um, you know, I think you know, I'll talk about me like um, about myself, and then maybe um, Maggie can also talk about. Her. But um, for me, at least from my previous work, because I've always used to work with specifically uh, marginalized children, so mm-hmm. uh, mental health was also always a big part of it, um, and mental, uh, yeah, and psychological support. So I think, um, and also, it's part of the needs that came. Like you, you, you do have a lot of a lot of women who come forward and who need support and who need urgent support and and some of this support we can't offer we need someone specialized to be able to do it and the training alone will be able to um, will not be able to see the success that we want to see without psychological support so it's also um, adding value to what what to to the results we need we want to see one one question before we move on to the other
0: stuff is it sounds like um, you know when we're talking about defining empowerment it seems like you all really focus on the holistic approach of having the ability of choices and also the ability of meeting needs Um, and so when we're talking about just uh, we're talking about having it all you've really done it here because I think that a lot of the times um, there seems to be this sacrifice of Uh, wanting or like, for example, wanting cheaper labor or working within a group of people that you know that you can pretty much extract the sort of labor and participation that you need in order to, um, you know, make the most profit. But what you've done is flipped it on the other side. You've asked the question that, you know, like, what if we actually made them possible to hire? Like, what if, what if instead of extracting from them, why don't we just put more resources into the, those that we know that could do the work and are capable, they just need a little bit more of a push or they need separate services that are completely you know, related to the intersections of their life. So I guess my, my question is that that faces a lot of challenges. So what are the challenges that you face with kind of having it at all in that way that you can both provide these services, but also you also have to, and in the back of your mind, I'm sure you're thinking of profit. So I'm sure you're thinking about financial susta- sustainability in that sense. So yeah, what are what are some of those challenges that you see? Uh,
2: I think that oriented? the financial sustainability is just to re- for, to reinvest in the center. Right. Because- I think Farid and I have what we our main goal is just to expand and to have uh, uh, an impact. So what we need, I would say, is the resources to to be able to be to hire these people that we need to improve the the women's lives to bring a very good uh, uh, people for the, for the nursery to, you know, like the very basic things that could make a huge change, but for the time being, we cannot afford them. But also, let me let me challenge the have
3: it all, because I think it's also, I think, a bit problematic because no one will ever have it all. And unfortunately, there's so much happening in the world that no one can ever change that. You can only create impact and you can only change one life at a time. And I think this, for me, is my 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 statement in life in general: that you change one life at a time, and 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 you will never have it all, and you will never be able to offer exactly what is needed, because at the end, there's so much hunger, there's so much uh, violence, there's yes. so much. It's 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 just it's just unfortunate. So I think when we when we look at it from an have it all angle. For me, it becomes a bit, depra- it, it, it's, it's not a, an, how I see it uh, right. because it will never, we will never be able to reach there. So it would be a bit- um,
0: It's idealistic.
3: A bit, a bit, yeah. and you'll never see results and you will never right. be able to, and, and it will make it more difficult to move forward. But I think when you do things that you get, impact, that you can measure and that you can notice, you can see, this is when you start seeing, I always say you see really magic happening because you see the life of one specific person changing. And it's also completely fine to realize that you will not be able to change all of the lives of the people you're supporting. So out of the 40 Chinese, we will not be able to support all of them 100%. We can do our best, but there's a, so we always change one life at a time. And this is how you I think you move forward to be able to see impact.
0: Yeah. I think that that's the only way you can do it, really. Yeah,
1: yeah, we're really happy you touched on that because I think that's how precisely how we got to this theme was just what we were brainstorming as a team, we were thinking as women and women of color, like the challenges just facing day to day life sometimes, and this notion of having it all came up quite often, and it was just this, like, how do you, how do you even conceptualize it? So we're really glad that you touched upon that. Um, yeah, because it, it seems like completely utopic and this way that you're kind of horizontally challenging um. the the normal kind of vertical structure of an enterprise, if that makes sense by what Margarita said before with um, the managers and the employees all being on the same line, the way that you're integrating them as a family essentially um, yes. through things like nutrition but also things that are incredibly important with um, what everything these women have gone through such as a therapy it's just incredible <laughs> and in a way it is having it all but like you said if you take a step back you know 100 feet above water then having it all is not always the way to go if that makes sense yeah. Um, but yeah on that note we'll we would just like to ask you as well, since we have about 10, 15 minutes left, um, what do you think Threads of Hope will look like in
2: 20 years from now?
0: <laughs> Hard question.
2: <laughs> uh, well, I don't I don't know, but what I wish is that, that this business model would um, would become so successful in terms of impact. That that would be reproduced by other people that find it inspiring and and maybe the life of many, many women would change. Many women and their children and their parents and whoever is around her. Because if you help a woman, you help a whole family, a neighborhood, you said the world. Yes. Um, so yes, I think that it can also translate into many other things. It can translate into basket weaving, it can translate, you know, it's not only creating a craft, but providing a self and employment uh surroundings that during the stay of uh of the production let's say you receive so much information and nourishing and and uh, all the basically whatever could make a change in your life that is not necessarily economic but it's about you as a human being about what but would you know, things that you didn't even know that you could feel or, or know or be interested, or that you were such a beautiful designer, or you know, just mm-hmm. little options that. Yeah. But I
3: also add to Margarita that it's this, this model is quite unique because it's not only a social enterprise, but I think it's also, um, and it's also part of the challenges that you have every two months. You train forty women, so this means every two months the labor increases by forty women. So this means the production level needs to increase equal to the number of women. So, so this model, the 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 the, the success of this model is tremendous because at the end it means that the the number of women being trained. It's the challenge of providing work. So basically, you need to provide. Um, things that they can produce so this is a main challenge but i think as a model it's not only that you have a fixed number of employees so basically it's a steady kind of it's it's um it's a social enterprise that also does amazing work but you have a steady number of employees that you offer them work so it's easy to calculate no it's not it's 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 much more difficult than that because it's you have a it's 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 a continuous increase in the number of women that you're trying to provide support to and the intake is just ongoing so it is a big challenge but the success of it is it, it's 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 mm. i think it's well, also think. a new model sorry yeah it's a completely new model it's not only a social enterprise i don't know the term for it but i think it's the new but <laughs> but i think it's 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 just um and, and maybe we will realize i think again that's why we, we we constantly talk about documenting because maybe we'll realize that there comes a point where the number of workforce needs to stop maybe we'll be able to continuously increase. These are all questions that we, can, we don't have answers to yet because we're just trying this model out.
2: And all the products that we, that we produce are very high-end quality, very good materials, and uh, non-plastic, um, no pollution. So just beauty, but very, very high-end.
0: And that, that requires a market. So, you know, like that and and in, and in that case you really need to it's say you well, I guess if we have any of our fellow colleagues that would like to do something similar, we'll leave them to you because it sounds yes. like you'll be learning very soon <laughs> how that works. <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Um but yeah, We might no just idea. have
1: our 2021 cohort all just go to Cairo now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that yeah. would be great. <laughs> <laughs> i was just gonna ask magical. you yeah yeah we would i mean I would we love would
2: love that, that. Okay. we would love that
0: well then i guess uh you know in that case uh speaking of those that would like to do something like that do you have any advice
2: for anybody that would like to do something similar for you and- follow their instincts follow their instincts and just to keep on going because i i think that it's very important to plan but sometimes when you plan you just see what can happen and you back off and you lose an opportunity that you could have not had you not just followed your instincts and just and just endure and keep on going on and on and on and on just always reminding yourself that it's one day at a time and that if today you have problems it's because you have something to learn and that uh, if this is meant to be, it will happen. But you will have to learn also how to endure.
0: Perfectly said, can can well, have the eloquent person in the world. But <laughs> you would be surprised. Just wait until you hear this back, um, Margarita, Ferita. Thank you jo- for joining us uh, on Can You Hear? Oh. It has been it has been a wonderful conversation um, and an absolute pleasure. Uh, Before we do go, we would like to end on a more of a fun note um, where we spin a wheel of questions, which I don't know if that was explained, Um, but you'll soon see where we indulge our audience and ourselves with just random questions, random information about our guests. Um, So I will ask, are you ready? (laughs) If you are ready at all. And uh, I'll let Monica take the lead. (laughs) We are
1: ready. (laughs) So... (laughs) This week, we have questions that go from your favorite book at the moment to where would you like to travel to after COVID-19?
2: Okay, three, three things that you cannot live without.
3: Wow. wow. Um, I think purpose. It's not something tangible, but to have a purpose in life. I think this is something crucial for me. People. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah but uh not not socially necessarily but to to work to like when i go to the factory i'm always with the workers when i go to train thirds of hope i i just feel that mm-hmm. this rebirth it's right. it's so beautiful i i cannot uh, live without
3: people now and the, and the third thing that is on my mind is a bit lame but i will just share it it's just the ability to be able to give and receive love
0: yeah yeah these are, these are such good answers
1: <laughs> <laughs> those are great answers our next guests are gonna have to top this I entire know. episode <laughs>
0: yeah truly truly <laughs> well thank you again margarita and ferrita for joining you so us. Much. Yeah, thanks for having for, us yeah and for everyone at home thanks for listening in on our third episode of can you hear us my name is Madeira,
1: and my name is monica and we will see you next time Bye. We would like to thank our guests, Margarita Andrade and Farida El Kalaji, again for coming on today, as well as the LSE's Department of International Development for its support, especially the LSE ID Communications and Events Manager, Ms. Deepa Patel. For all her help in promoting and distributing the episode. Finally, to our team for re- researching, recording, and editing this episode. Our music is provided by a soundbank and our logo created by Gorkaval. See you all next time.